Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Big Monday Show. My name is Charles Simon. I am the host of the Towing Circles Podcast Network. My co-host, Mr. Barry Spears, will be with us momentarily, and we have a special guest tonight, Mr. Dave Spears, direct from Saratoga, coming down for the Florida Derby to offer his unique perspective as the unofficial mayor of Saratoga. On tonight's show, we're going to talk about the ludicrous California whip rules, which are getting more ludicrous every day, it seems like, the curious case of Mr. Ramsey owing trainers money, which is actually an ongoing issue for a long time. We'll talk about that and some of my personal dealings with Mr. Ramsey, and give a quick update, talk about briefly the Louisiana Derby, which kind of showed that uh, the horses at the fairgrounds seem like they're a a cut below the top echelon of Derby contenders this year, with the California Invader coming in and, and taking the money. We give a little bit of a preview to this week's, uh, this weekend's Florida Derby with greatest honor, the, the headliner with a couple new shooters, and including Spielberg, who uh, will be the rare Bob Babbert shipper to Gulfstream for a, a triple crown race. As a matter of fact, I can't remember Babbert ever remember him running a, a horse in a, a triple crown Kentucky Derby prep here in, in, in Florida, though probably ran once at some point, but it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not his usual pattern. But uh, Barry likes Spielberg. I don't really know why, but we'll talk about that and a couple. We got a little March Madness, and uh, you know all the other assorted things that we converse about. We'll be right back with the Spears brothers. Mr. Spears. Mr. Simon. We have two Spears today. Hello, Mr. Hello, <laughs> Does Mr. it get any better? This is hey, uh, my brother. What's up, buddy? How you been? Good. Hanging in there, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm hoping to see you this weekend. You coming down? We'll see. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Miami and uh, surrounding counties are on lockdown, bro. Yes. Getting kind of crazy down here. Uh, just South Beach. Gulfstream's been on lockdown for a year. I, I... <laughs> yeah, they might not let me in. They they got me on. They got my picture hanging up. They don't want me in there. You might have to sign over rights to the video of the drunk guy. I could do that. For for those of those that don't recognize the the second Mister Spears, that's Mister Dave Spears, direct from Saratoga, down here for the Florida Derby. He's like a social influencer, so they they want him in town. Plus, he'll uh, increase their alcohol sales sure, on Saturday. <laughs> and maybe even place a couple wagers. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see how things go with the uh, beverages first, Barry. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> the yeah, cold ones. They're, they're, they're wilding down there in South Beach. They, 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 
you know it's 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 serious when they shut the bridges down. It's like Escape from New York. They locked everybody down there. Right? It's, it's like Grand Theft Auto, man. It's, <laughs> it's crazy down there. Yeah, man. The Clevelanders shut their doors the other day. When they shut their doors during spring break, when they're probably making about ten bazillion dollars a day, you know things are are a little bit wow. crazy. Wow, that's insane. But Gulfstream, Gulfstream's not wilding. Gotta have tickets. Yeah, well, that's 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 in and of itself the <laughs> the craziness. It's crazy that you can go to the races at parks. You can go to the races at Tampa. You can go to the races at at Oaklawn, and you can't go to the races at Aqueduct, and you can't go to the races at Gulfstream. But you can go to the casino at Gulfstream without any problems getting in. Really? Yep. And the we casino at Aqueduct. Yeah. Yeah, we went the other day to the races, and I usually just go through the front side because, like I said, people, they, they know I belong there. They're not exactly sure what I do, but they say, well, that guy's all right. <laughs> but Dave, you know, we had to go through the proper channels, and it's like a maze that you have to go through. To oh, find... that thing is still there? Yeah, everything's still there. And, uh, oh, man, you, know, you got to get uh, bracelets and all kinds of stuff. Then they put up the bushes by Christine Leeds. You can't even watch the horses in the paddock. Right, you, you can't even see anything over there. Huh? That's terrible. All about the racing, I guess, at Gulfstream Park. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, whatever. But the Florida Derby is this coming week, weekend, Saturday. Uh, it, it's starting to, to, to be actually a little bit more of an interesting race than it originally looked like it was going to be uh, um, uh Chug's horse, uh, greatest honor in the seven dwarfs, but <laughs> there's uh, a couple interesting horses, including a horse who I don't really like at all, but who you kind of like. Uh, Mr. Spielberg is, is scheduled is to come. Telling you, man, don't count that horse out, bro. Uh, a couple other horses, uh, the, the maiden of Safi Joseph, the one by 12 there a couple weeks ago, he's, he's scheduled to make his first stakes and two-turn start in the mile and eighth florida derby um so i mean it looks like it's a is it going to be the toughest field so far the derby no, no 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 which one has that honor is it louisiana derby no certainly not louisiana derby is like a million dollar b-level race so which was the toughest so far do you think i think the toughest was the to San Felipe, even though a horse who March eighth we did a podcast <laughs> from from the the thirty sixth minute to the forty eighth minute, we spoke about life is good, mostly in negative terms. Not that he didn't blow the field out and run a huge figure and look great. It was the fact that, uh, or it actually didn't look great. It was the fact that he was getting out the entire race, and we we didn't buy the video board uh, excuse, mainly because he was getting out from step one from the starting gate. He was also getting out on both turns, and he was getting out on the backside where <laughs> you can't see the video board. So uh, horses that get out that bad, it almost never is a good thing. And uh, we we made him twelve to one to even make the Derby when people were taking two to one out to win the Derby. And with the news this weekend, it wasn't that surprising to us. I mean, Barry, we, uh, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back, but 
you know, we didn't buy in the uh, the whole uh, the video nonsense, and and the fact of the matter is that uh, you know my my Medina spirit thirty eight looks that much better. Book looks better and better. It does. It does. So does that Rombauer one. Well, Rombauer still has to qualify. (laughs) (laughs) He's got to get in. He's not quite in the Derby yet, so I don't want to start doing anything. Well, with the defection though, that that's that's one less good horse, you know, that he may or may not have had to beat. True. It does. It does. It's funny. We're talking about a race that we have only know about a third of the entrance at the current time, but. Certainly, it changes the pace scenario in that uh, it looked as though life, life is Good was just going to be a horse that was going to run off and open up a couple lengths um, or was somebody who was going to sacrifice and get in a wicked speed duel. So uh, it's, it does change the complexion probably a little bit from that standpoint, but it's still, it's still a long ways to go. There's eight more prep races. Um, I think actually seven of them or even sixth of them because the, the, the race, the, the race in, um, Turfway, I, I don't really consider too much. And the UAE Derby. Oh, I forgot about that one. You, I mean, the race is a joke. It's, it's, uh, and you know, did they, they, I didn't know this, but I, I saw on Facebook the other day, Dick Downey was saying that the UAE Derby was scheduled to be a $2 million race and they cut the purse to 750,000 this year. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Um, and the Blood Horse still has his two million dollar race. I guess they weren't really happy with the quality of the field because, like, literally no one, no one's running. And that Cowlin horse who ran really so good on uh, the undercard of the Saudi Arabia Cup in the three year old race, he's running in a sprint race. Um, hmm. So I, I don't exactly know what's going on over there. And a friend of mine put something on Twitter yesterday about the Dubai World Cup card. <laughs> how there's like no buzz and there really isn't i mean that race is this weekend and no one's talking about it and uh you know probably partly because the field for the big race is really i I mean this is kind of a strange statement but for like a 16 million dollar race it's like the worst field ever (laughs) just imagine that huh Hey, I, I, when Jesus' <laughs> team was running for Maiden 25, did you ever think that they thought they'd be the U.S.'s main hope to win a $16 million race? <clears throat> Probably <Sober>. not. <laughs> uh, but as the saying goes, money talks and bullshit walks the marathon. Somebody's going to win it, that's for sure. But Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, the Saudi Cup just takes the, the whole starch out of that whole event. Like the whole thing, it's just not the same. Speaking of Saudi Cup, did they pay out yet? Not from last year. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? There's nothing more true than countries like Saudi Arabia. They can do whatever they want, and uh, no one's gonna really right. Who's gonna say anything? Exactly. They don't really care. <laughs> they do whatever they want, and you know. It's just the way it goes, and you don't want to upset the prince over there. So not when you're over there. <laughs> nah, yeah, <laughs> we're good. Back home, so I'm guessing John Gosden's purse is going to get paid. Uh, it's it's um, uh, it would be really really tough on the race if, if two years in a row they didn't pay the purse out. But uh, assuming everything 
has cleared, and I'm, I'm haven't heard a word contrary. I'm assuming that, uh, that the Saudi Cup has paid the first ten million dollars this year. Let's send uh, Spearsy over there to negotiate. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I mind going over there for a couple of days. I don't know. That's, that's what I'm saying. I don't know yeah. that based on his his, you know, um, I don't know that he'd be the right person for us to represent over there because they he might do some things they frown upon, like everything he does. Almost he gambles, he drinks, <laughs> faces women. Yeah, but he's not from there. No, so that sure. that's got to be at least. You know the the outweighing factor. We could get one of the big robes for him. Oh, I'd pay. I'd pay, I'd pay, I'd pay, I'd pay like a prince for a day and, and have eight wives. I think for for an <laughs> evening. Why not? Once. You know that's all. I'd yeah. like to see him riding a camel. <laughs> I have ridden worse. <laughs> uh, the family part of the show is now over. Um, actually, you had the pink robe. <laughs> The famous Facebook pink robe. <laughs> you haven't brought that picture out lately. That, that picture might need to need to come back. Yeah, it's got to recirculate social media. The Dave Spears on the pink robe. Um, interestingly enough, we have uh, Monday. Uh, Monday comes and and we have controversy in racing. It's like they're no uh, get out of here. Like they're trying to help us. Produce the podcast with, with <clears throat> by giving us right topics to, to the content stuff. weekly, just right out of the box early in the day. Mr. Ramsey uh, <laughs> was being sued by Mr. Mr. Ward and Mr. Maker for uh, tardy training bills and trainers' percentages and other. Ex- uh, Assorted uh, expenses uh, in the, is, I think, ex- excessive about a million dollars for each of them. So right around $2 million is being sued in, in, in civil court. And uh, <laughs> as someone who worked for Mr. Ramsey a long time ago, Leopard doesn't change his spots. Let's just say <laughs> it was uh, a time where he owed me. Right around three hundred thousand dollars. Right, right, right. Just south of three hundred thousand dollars, and we had done really well. And part of the reason he owed that much was that uh, we had had a lot. People don't realize that trainers don't get paid by the track. When you win a race, the trainers' cut, trainers' percentage, comes out of the owner's purse. So you have to bill the owner. There are a couple tracks. Monmouth used to take it out uh, if you opted into a program. And I think New York might have, I don't know if they still do that, maybe. But the owner and the trainer had to opt into the program to do that. And I actually, it, it was a big help having that, uh, especially at Monmouth, when you were able to get your your percentage without having to wait till the end of the month to bill and then usually wait another month before you get it. I mean, if you win a race on the first or second, well, you might not get paid for if you get paid on time, because most trainers work on 30-day net, you might not get paid for close to two months. Um, and that's if the trainer or the uh, owner is paying within the terms. Um, so people I know, I know don't realize that. So when you win a bunch of races, especially if you win a big races, that number can add up fast. Uh, 
And that's really where trainers make your money. You don't really make much money on the day rate, especially the bigger outfits, because they have so many people. The expenses are so high. Um, it's just as, as uh, you know, even with day rates being what they are, it's just tough to make money on, on the day rate. Maybe if you make a couple of bucks a, a day, you're, you're doing great. You're, the real money to be made is, is, is winning races and selling horses to a lesser extent. But that, depending on the type of horses you, you train and, um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a whole different category. But it can be, you know, it, it can get up there and we do it wrong. The fact of the matter is it's a tradition, but it's a it's a it's a poor tradition. One that's got to go, man. That's that's horrible. It's a poor tradition because you're billing after the work has been done. Um, You're billing after you've paid for that person's horse to be fed. You've paid to to have him groomed, to have him exercised, to have him walked. Um, Any kind of equipment that's needed, any kind of bandages that's needed, any kind of supplements that's needed. You're putting the money up for the owner. And listen, there's there's a lot of owners that are great, that, that pay the bill right on time. No problem at all. Uh, I, I know there are some guys that, that have, have switched to billing on the first, and, and some of the owners will actually go along with it. Uh, most of the older traditional owners won't. They, they want to be billed uh, in the traditional manner. And, you know, that's fine, especially for a person that, that sends you quality horses, doesn't make you run them in ludicrous spots and and is willing to cut you the check when you send them a bill. The the problem is, and and of course there's lots of people on Twitter that, you know, comment one way or another and the, uh, including some people that blame the trainers. It's it's kind of (laughs) victim shaming. You people forget that the horses are living creatures and you have them in your possession. You've got to do the best you can do to take care of them, regardless of, of uh, how big of a jerk the owner is. You, you can't take it out on the horse. And to stop training them or to, um, you know, just, just, just abandon them or, or whatever, it, it's not, it just, you just can't do it. It just is not ethically or morally right. And the other thing is to, to just send the horses back. Well, the likelihood of you getting paid then is, is even less. And suing owners for money, again, it, it's, uh, I said this a million times, but the, 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 the backwards part of training racehorses is that you basically have people who are poor, or not maybe poor, poor, but decidedly not rich for the most part. Most trainers are not. Uh, John Gosden. Most trainers are guys with four, five, six, ten horses who are struggling. Um, but you're giving you know, wealthy people credit, and and you're giving them terms to pay back, and it, it really almost should be the opposite. But um, that you know, be be what it may, Mr. Ramsey never really cared about paying on time. And when I went to work for him, I was straight out of Alan Jerkins' barn. I was an assistant trainer for years, and I didn't have a great deal of money. Um, certainly, I didn't have a great deal of equipment. And with Mr. Ramsey, and, and I will always 
um, thank him for giving me a chance. He did. He, he gave me a chance uh, on a recommendation of, of, a, of a, a person who had been watching me and thought I could do a good job. And he kind of took care of me in the beginning. He paid me right on time. He uh, gave us a little bit of a loan to get, uh, you know, get some equipment, some good equipment and things like that. And, and we started racing. I, I ran a horse like 12 days after I started training. Um, so it wasn't as though we, uh, you know, we spent six months getting ready. We, we kind of got thrown right into the fire and we did pretty decent that first year. So, you know, the revenue started coming in pretty quick and, and, and we got whole. And as the time went by, um, he started sending me more and more horses to the point where I was more or less, I was a private trainer for him, but I still had about 10 horses from other people. And actually it was one of the smartest things I ever did because um, number one, it kept my cash flow positive because those people were great pay. And number two, it gave me some more opportunities to, to win races other than, uh, I mean, they, they were mostly young horses um, you know, with, with good pedigrees. And the third part was that uh, when he and I split up, I, I wasn't like totally out where I had no horses at all. I had uh, still had about a dozen horses left you know, to try to build my barn up and went from like 65, 75 horses to, to 12, but it's better than going from 65 or 75 horses to zero. <laughs> um, but the longer I worked for him, the, the, you know, the further behind he got. And there was a time we had gone to Ocala and I don't remember exactly what year, but Mr. Ramsey never drank. I, I never saw him drink except for this one time. He had one beer. That's it. One. And we were Ocala looking at the babies, and um, we went to some one of those one of those places in Ocala. And uh, <laughs> I asked him. I said, "You know, Mr. Ramsey, my day rate is seventy five dollars, and when you pay me three months late, uh, I said, I'm going to have to raise it to seventy eight dollars to make up for you know the late fees and." And, and having to, to borrow money from this, you know, borrowing money from Peter to pay Paul and blah, blah, blah. And he said something, and I, I'll, I'll give him credit for his honesty. He said, well, the reason I pay you late is because you charge me 75 and I get interest on that money. And uh, I pay you three months late, and then it's like your day rate 72. So I'm saving $3 a horse. And he may not have said that had he not had that one beer. But... <clears throat> <laughs> uh, he, and, he, and he more or less said you know and, and if you do raise your day rate then I'll, I'll put, you'll, you'll probably you know i'll probably find another trainer so that's kind of the position you're in and, and it's like i got 44 horses for the guy at the time something in that range 44 45 50 horses so you're in a precarious position when they say that because what can you really do and this uh, this one time um, when he got really, really into me and we were doing really well, which is one of the reasons he was into so much because we were winning races left and right. And, um, a lot of the money was, was, was uh, you know, trainer percentage money. 
and he owed me almost 300000 And I, it was right before we were supposed to go to Saratoga. And I said, Mr. Ramsey, you know, it really sucks we can't go to Saratoga. And he's like, what do you mean you can't go to Saratoga? Because he lived for Keeneland and Saratoga. Those were his two tracks. Churchill to a little bit of a lesser extent. But but he, he wanted to win at Keeneland and Saratoga. Those those were the, well, I mean, everybody wants to win at those two places. But those were like the place he really had on his uh, his his uh, his map. Um and I said, well, we can't leave town. I owe a feed man, like, <laughs> a ridiculous amount of money. I owe the blacksmith. I owe uh, my help. I said, I, I, I need a bunch of money to go to Saratoga. We've got to rent a house. We've got to rent a house for assistance and, and exercise riders. And, um, you know, like, this is a big, expensive endeavor. And, like, you owe me almost $300,000. And he was like, what? I owe you $300,000? i am thinking to myself, he micromanages everything. Every every part of his business, but he doesn't realize. Except for that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so he paid me, but it was it was painful. I mean, I got a little bit the next day, about a uh, you know a quarter, and then you know he and, and I understand like sometimes you're just not liquid. I mean, you you might have this or you might have taxes paid or that, whatever. I, that's all understandable, but um, by the same token, you have a responsibility because the trainer has a responsibility to pay all the people that he owes, including his health, including um, the feed man and the blacksmith and, and, uh, and anybody else, the people who get supplements, the, the people who do the physical therapy on the horse. And, um, and let me not, you know, let me just say that he's not the only person that's ever done that. I, I've got beat out of 35,000. I got beat out of 60,000. Uh-huh. And it's just, you know, for the people to say, "Oh, well, just sue them," well, that, yeah, it's not that easy. Not, <laughs> it's not that easy, especially when you know one guy went into like hiding. I don't know where he went to; couldn't find him. But um, you know, but it's tough because as a trainer, you you are out. Uh, it's like you're you're walking a tightrope. Um, and I'm not talking about Bob Baffert or those guys. Those guys can kick anybody out of their barn they want to. It really wouldn't cause them a whole lot of pain. Like Chad Brown fired Clarevich. Well, that'd be painful. I mean, those people buy tons of good horses and I'm sure pay, you know, well. But for the most part, most owners, uh, I mean, trainers, big trainers have survived. Owners dying, owners getting out of business. Um, the big guys with 200, 250 horses, it doesn't really almost matter to them. Um, but for everyone else, it, it, it's not that easy um, because you can't really make a guy pay. You, you can't just call up and demand. One thing about guys who are self-made people or, or people who are inherited, inherited rich people, they don't want to be told what to do. Yeah. Just don't want to be told what to do. I mean, I mean, no one really wants to be told what to do, but especially when it comes to finances. And the number one thing that you'll get when you when you press someone about that is, well, do you think I'm not going to pay you? And that's like, that's not the really the issue here. It's not that you're going to pay me. And let me say that Mr. Ramsey paid me everything that he owed me. Uh, when we finally split up, he owed me money. Um, it was about... I don't know, maybe 80, 85,000. I had way fewer horses at that time. Um, I think he was about two months behind. And I held his papers. And technically, 
the papers are the property of the owner and you really can't like hijack them, but I did. And I put them somewhere and I got a phone call because he had called me about taking a horse named Nothing to Lose. I think I've told the story about Nothing to Lose. One of the first time out of Saratoga and closing day, just circled the field. There's closing Sunday, circled the field first time out, just galloped. He wound up being a grade one winner um, for Bobby Frankel. I think he won what's now called the Charlie Whittingham. Um, hmm. But he took that horse because he wanted to try to win the Kentucky Derby. And he couldn't believe I didn't have confidence in the, the, a horse that couldn't stand up on the dirt. It was a freak on the turf. <laughs> I didn't have any confidence in him on the dirt, you know. But um, he did pay me. I, I kept the papers. And the stewards called me from church, uh, not from Churchill, from uh, Turfway. Turfway was running. At that time in September, not not the way Churchill does now. It was Turfway. That was that was actually Turfway's big meet. And yeah, they called me and they said, "Do you have Mister Andy's papers?" I said, "You know, I'm a forgetful kind of guy, and I I, I don't know. I might have them. I'm night not. I can't remember." And they kind of like, you know, you can't always. Blah, blah, blah. So I said, "Let me ask you a question. If I have to sue him, should I have the subpoenas for you guys sent to?" The office in Lexington or have them sent to the Turfway uh, office. Hold on, hold on. Uh, it, it was Rick Middleton who, who's, who's uh, no, it wasn't Rick Middleton because he was a race secretary. Uh, Jack Middleton. Jack Middleton was his name. And he was a good guy. He was a good steward too. But he was, he came back on I, and he said, you know, you and Mr. Andy just figure out your, you know, your big boys, figure it out for yourself. And he hung up. <laughs> so, <laughs> So eventually we got, we got, you know, we got it all sorted out and, and uh, we did get paid and, you know, we moved on with our lives, but it, it's not as though he is a guy that was all that concerned about making sure the people were paid because as long as you were willing to accept the horses and you were, you were, you had money coming to you, he felt that was enough. And Mike Maker and, and Wesley Ward know this. They've known it for years. They've trained for him for a long time. And uh, not to be morbid, but, I mean, Mr. Ramsey is, is getting up there in age. He's, uh, I've heard from people that he, he's looking a lot more frail. Um, and they might want to just be on record as doing this before he, uh, you know, unfortunately would, would pass away. Because once you get to your 80s, I mean, you never know. And I um, mean, look at Elgin Baylor died today. Um, you know, it, it happens. And I think that, um, you know, we're talking a million dollars, a million bucks. It's not, it's not chump change. And they probably want to get, uh, get that process rolling. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a shame that <laughs> the trainers don't get paid like up front when, when you win a race. Not everywhere. I mean, I wish it, it seems like it should be everywhere. That way, you know, it cuts out some of the BS that goes on. Like half of it, maybe. Yeah, well, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tenuous relationship between trainers and owners. And, and these days, it, it's, it's worse than ever because, uh, and I don't want to like wax poetic about the old days like it was, everything was great then because there was owners back then that didn't pay either. And there was trainers that ripped their owners off as well, just like there is now. Not saying that everyone involved is the same, but in general, the way that we do it stinks. 
The fact is that the stewards used to be able to exert some pressure on owners, but they've stepped away from that now. Even though a lot of states, there are rules on the books for about financial responsibility, but then by the same token, if they started turning them around um, on trainers, it, it, it's a slippery slope and it becomes a, a lot of infighting. I, I had a, uh, I've been not paid in a lot of different manners. I had a horse for a guy. He sent me a horse, okay? The horse was about 12 hands tall, weighed about 500 pounds. A nice little horse, but like literally was like a pony. And I said to him, I said, you know, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I mean, I don't know that this horse is, is worth you paying me you know, to train because he's just like literally too small. I mean, he wasn't 15 hands. He, he was barely 14 hands. It was, it was almost comical watching him gallop. Um, but he insisted. He insisted <laughs> on doing it. And I said, all right, no problem. I, I even gave him a discounted rate because I said, yeah, this guy. Half the horse. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna get him where he works a couple of times. If he doesn't work, like lights out by some miracle, I'm just gonna tell the guy, "Listen, I can't take your money anymore because I just didn't. It didn't feel ethical doing it." So it got to the point where the horse breathes three ace and forty five, all out. Oh boy, all out. And you know he just couldn't break. And that's two minute with that. That's just you know. So he couldn't win an Arabian race. So I told him, I called him, I said, listen, I, I just, you should really do something different with this horse. It doesn't make sense to, to have him in training. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you a discount on your discount. And, um, just, just one, you know, the guy, and he was fine. And he said, all right, I'll, I'll bring you a check and, uh, you know, send the horse to this other trainer. So, all right, no problem. So we sent the horse to another trainer, brings me a check. I stick the, the check in my um, in my truck, and I didn't mail it for like three days because uh, my bank was still out of uh, – was, I was using the bank, U.S. bank out of, out of Kentucky. Ooh. So I sent the check in and um, didn't think anything of it. And I looked uh, online. That was when I first were doing online banking. And I saw that it was, it, it got returned. So I thought it bounced because generally, you know, you deposit a check and the check comes back. It's, it's bounced. Um, I called the bank and asked them and they said, no, no, that check wasn't bounced. That, that, that was a stop payment on that check. Oh, my. So I called the guy, no answer. Called the guy, no answer. Called the guy from someone else's phone. He answered the phone. And I said, well, you'll answer this phone, but you won't answer my phone. Oh, he gave me, this is, the, this is the best excuse ever. He said, <laughs> well, my daughter's getting married and my wife got laid off and I have to pay for the wedding. So I said to him, I said, you know, you got a lot of balls. Not telling me that story. But I didn't even get invited to the wedding. Like, at least I could have got some food and drinks out of this, you know, deal. Since you owe me 1500 bucks. <laughs> so I brought him to the stewards. The stewards group got a judgment against him. And next thing you know, he transfers his horses. He had a horse or two with someone else to his cousin's name. So I see him at the at, at parks in the paddock. And I see him there one day. And he sees me. And he's got, like, beelines it out of there, right? So I called the stewards. And 
you know, they say, well, you know, we already got to, you know, uh, stop on the guy. What do you want us to do? It's like, well, don't let him run the horse in his cousin's name. I mean, he's making a mockery of this. And believe me, these were like cheap horses that nobody really cared about but me because I wanted my 1500 bucks. But nothing really happened. So like two years ago, I get a phone call from the stewards at Parks. And I'm thinking to myself, man, what have I done? <laughs> you know, I haven't been there in like, <laughs> Something's coming back I to been there like five years, you know, <laughs> like, uh, and they're like, Chuck, you remember, uh, you know, so-and-so I was like, yeah, he goes, well, he's coming and he's trying to get his license back. We told him that until, uh, he made good with you that we wouldn't license him. And he, he's wanting to make good with you. So, um, you know, do you want him to put him in? Do you want, do you want to be get, get in touch with him, or you know, how do you want to handle it? So I was like, well, yeah, you know, like no problem. So I called the guy, and uh, or he called me. They gave him my number, and he called me and he apologized and blah blah blah. And so then he started trying to negotiate. <laughs> so oh my god, I was like, no man, come on, this is like five years later. So, um. <laughs> So I don't hear back from him for like two weeks. So I'm like, oh, well, shit, I should have, I should have taken whatever he offered. It would have been money from, you know, penny from heaven. I was never going to see this money uh, any other way. I never imagined that I would, uh, would get it. And uh, he called back and I said, listen, man, send me a thousand dollars certified check. You ain't canceling this one. And, uh, uh, you know, and I'll call the stewards and when I get it and, and, and you'll be good to go. So he did. And, and, uh, and I wound up getting paid, uh, at least, at least partial huh. payment, like five or six years later. But, um, I have some other stories, but they're just, uh, some of them are uglier and, and, and they're just, uh, I've had people tell me that the, the horse didn't live up the expectations and therefore they, they, you know, I should I should bear some of the risk. I said I bear the risk the day I take your horse. Right, the the whole risk almost. <laughs> yeah. And you know the thing about Mr. Energy is like you can sit there and talk to him sometimes and, and he's kind of funny. <laughs> he really is kind of funny. He definitely and he just in the end, he just cares about himself. And that's really the thing that separates the the people in, in any business relationship um because that's, it's what it is it's a business relationship uh, i got in a fight with bruno the, the clocker one day he was telling me about you know trainers work for owners the so trainers don't work for owners well what do you mean i said trainers run um a business and owners are their clients i go trainers can our owners can take the horse anytime they want like you know, the the the, the trainer has has no, no, you know, they can fire the trainer at any time for any reason, which is fine. It's their property. I go, but they don't pay unemployment. <laughs> they don't pay, um, you know, it's not a it's not a employee employer relationship. Believe me, if it was, a lot fewer trainers right. would get fired. But um, it's a business relationship, and and it's uh, and a lot and listen. A lot of it's the trainer's fault. A lot of it's the trainer's fault because people know that guys are bad pay and they take them anyways. 
they take them anyways. Because often, especially when you have backsides like you have now, where there's a diminishing number of owners, a diminishing number of horses, all the good horses seem to be in the same barns. Uh, the B-level owner, the B-strings. I trained a lot of B-strings. I trained some horses for Arthur Hancock. I trained some horses for Rick Pitino. Uh, I trained for, for a lot of bigger outfits. Uh, the, 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 C, you know, the B and the C-level horses that they were more or less trying to get rid of, but they didn't want to pay a higher day rate, and they wanted the trainer that was going to you know, basically try to win with them and, and, and move them along. Um, and you, you know, not me, a lot of other guys, too, made a really good living. Um, racing at Monmouth, racing at Tampa, racing at those type of tracks with the, the, the big outfits, B-strings. But now the big guys, they take those horses too. And that's, that's, that's part of the reason is that the, the happens the tracks let it happen because they give guys unlimited stalls. So the super trainer doesn't have to turn down the Maiden 20 anymore. He can jam the Maiden 20 and win another race and, and build on his win percentage because you know, who cares, right? Meanwhile, that that's a horse that would have been uh, um, an important part. Those type of horses were an important part of a lot of medium-sized barns, and, and that really has gone by the wayside. Um, and the interesting part is that trainers, or excuse me, owners now who used to have one or two trainers, one, they had a main trainer and, a, and like a B trainer. The, some of them have eight, nine, de- ten different trainers. They've Every trainer... In the standings, they have one or two or three or four with, but they never they never get down to the guys that really could use them, and certainly it's their prerogative to give uh, the horses to whoever they like. Uh, it's certainly the prerogative of the track to ignore the rules that they had had for years concerning the number of horses a trainer could have on the grounds, and the number of trainers an owner could have. But um. <clears throat> It's it's a it's a part of the reason why the game struggles, uh, and is continuing to struggle and will continue to struggle in some areas because it's just math. At at a certain point, it just is math. It's it's. Um, I mean, how, we've talked about this. I've talked about this for fifteen years. If you have a thousand horses and you divide them up between three trainers, or you have a thousand horses and you divide them up between twenty trainers. Which, which equation is going to get you better fields of horses, better races? Well, you know, just math. Well, it's funny you say that because I, I was actually had some, some thoughts on that sort of thing this weekend where I was, I was basically looking in the racing form, um, you know, trying to disseminate a, a 62.5 non-winners of three race. And I was looking at, you know, you know how in the rice form they have all this, the stats of the trainers and, you know, and it just kind of jumped out at me. It was like, well, you know, you see these percentages and, and whatnot, and they really don't mean anything because you really can't tell how good or bad those kind of trainers are because they, you know, they don't have the horses. So it's like, you know, yeah, their their stats may say one thing, but they may actually be a better trainer than their stats, or they may be worse. And it's such a mystery when it comes to things like that. Um, and it just kind of it kind of stuck out to me this weekend when I was when I was evaluating some things, and it was like, wow, you know, 
this this person, if they if, if given the opportunity, could probably be a decent trainer. But obviously, they're not playing on that same level playing field as everybody else. So there, you know, it's it's the 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 huge gap between the haves and the have not. True. It's why I laugh when people try to equate it with like pro sports. The worst pro sports franchise is is ten makes times money. better off than uh, a medium sized trainer because uh, the, the numbers aren't even like close. It would be like if. Um, <laughs> If the Boston Celtics had a uh, $400 million payroll and they were playing um, the Washington Wizards and they were only allowed to have a $3 million payroll, you know, so you have guys like me, you right. and me, you and out there against the, you know, uh, bro, we'd give them we, business we, cards. We'd stick, we'd stick with them for a, a little bit, but I mean, I, I walked like 13,000 steps yesterday and I'm like totally broke one day. <laughs> but um you know the point is that it's just it's not the same the advantages given to big outfits are are just uh they're they're worse than people even realize it's it's a worse it's 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 a more unlevel playing field than people even realize and there's a lot of reasons to talk about it but the, it's a, really a story from another day because you know to just it just sometimes it is what it is but it it just doesn't change and when people talk about trying to do good for the business and grow the business well there's certain uh fundamental things that have to change if you don't change them it's not going to matter uh it's like you look at the ncaa tournament right and march madness you've never seen as many lower seeds and smaller schools winning and it's because they chopped a lot of the top guys out because right the, the best players are now starting to go overseas to play in the G League, and, and it, it gives a bigger advantage to the schools that have the good players who stay for three or four years, and the you know the the gap has gotten smaller, and it's it's why you can see these teams from these smaller conferences they can compete, and you don't have a bunch of blowouts. Racing has done like the opposite of that. Racing has given those 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 they've given the Dukes. They, they've let them have a hundred guys on their team and then they've let them play every game at home. And they, they start the, the, the school, they start the game off up 20 to nothing. And, and in racing, you know, people say, well, you know, what are we going to do? How can we stop it? I mean, you know, if they're willing to pay, blah, blah, blah. I mean, if you want the game to get better, then you have to make the necessary changes. And in a lot of ways, uh, the tracks aren't that interested in racing anymore, period. So they're, they're not going to upset the apple cart because what you have to do is upset the people at the top. I mean, effectively, there's really nothing they can do, right? I mean, you can't make anybody, you know, uh, get rid of horses or give them to somebody else or, you know. No, there's, and it's, there's no incentive for, for, the, for the big outfits to be like, hey, you know, why don't you give this one to this guy? Because they're just going to want all the no, horses. There's, there's Which things makes that sense. can be done, except it takes effort and it takes a, a, a change of Planning. structure. <laughs> it, it takes yeah. uh, someone that's going to be really proactive and it, it takes education. Um, people think this business is going to go on forever. It's not. It's going to die. It'll, <clears throat> it'll be dead in 10 years at the rate it's going. 
Well, why don't they have like a like a, a owner's liaison or a track to you know somebody you know that, that's because associated? Number one, the, the tracks just don't care that much, and that yeah, they the just tracks don't care that care much. and they give you lip service and and. Yeah, but I think, it all works I think, the you know, same. It's, good, I don't, it's, it's, it's a good segue it. because I really wanted to get to a couple other things and not, not go down that wormhole because we could talk about that for hours. I have, <laughs> I have, I have more, um, <laughs> more information and thought processes on that than anything because I've lived it for 25 years. But um, I really wanted to talk about the, the ludicrous nature of the whip rules. Again, oh, dude, dude, I, I swear, I, there's no way, there's no way I'm going to bet Santa Anita. My message is, I mean, I cringe every time I see a stretch run there. I cringe. This is my message to you if you're on the TR, TRP or what do they call it? The CR, the, the California Horse Racing Board. CHRB, yes. CHRB. I'm, I'm sure right? by half of you, you don't really care about horse racing. You're just on there because you're a political hack. But the fact of the matter is that no one realized that stake races run for more money. Like when they made the rule, people didn't say, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to have the Breeders' Cup there. And they run, you know, $30 million worth of races. So that $500 fine for the jockey for hitting the horse too many times might not be all that effective. Like no one thought about that before. <laughs> Why is this news? Like, this is like the dumbest thing I ever, uh, you know, I ever heard of. It'd be like the NCAA uh, basketball, men's basketball uh, rules committee saying, all right, these players are, 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 are suspended for the regular season. Okay, and then you get the March Madness, you know. Oh, yeah, they can play now because we forgot. Like, it's all good. oh, yeah, they have this tournament at the end of the year. It's the same thing. Like, they forgot they had stake races. Like that—that that wasn't part of the consideration, and you know some of the things that they say. It, it's just like, how stupid are you? Like you're—you're you're supposed to be making rules, and if you're stupid, and that's, well, that's the problem. The thing if, is... if you're stupid, you should be able to accept being called stupid because if you made this rule, you're stupid. Making an arbitrary number six underhanded strikes. I, you know what? Those people should get struck in six times. Every meeting, they should go up to them and, and whack them six times with the whip and say, well, you know what? Maybe you could use 10 because do, what you're doing is destroying racing in California. Don't they use – I mean, I was under the impression some places or some jockeys use they those do. soft they whips. All, they, like, they're mandated to use those. Right. So And everybody who says, I, oh, I don't you think it's okay to hit horses? Shut up. It's part of the game. No one's saying to beat horses. But who said six is the right number? Did the horses vote? Why Why six? Why not seven? Why not five? Why not eight? Why not ten? Why not three? Why not four? Like, Mammoth is going to be the biggest shit show in the world. They're only allowed to hit the horses, oh, strike the horses in cases of safety. Well, who determines that? I mean, seriously, who determines that? So horse gets out, like like life is good the other day. You can whack them four times, and no one else can, can use the whip. So aren't, aren't jockeys just going to let horses drift all the time and, and, and say, well, hey, you know, then they can get to use the whip. And uh, it, it just, you know, you, you can use that. Oh, well, you know, you're, you're sticking up for hitting horses. Well, 
it's part of the sport. It's a crop. It's not a, a bullwhip. These aren't, um, you know, these aren't permanently damaging these horses at all. At all. I, I mean, honestly, just take it away. If the, if you're if you're gonna if you're, if right. you're gonna why, it like why? this, just take it away, and then that way everybody can just walk away, and and no one will bet, and it'll be fine. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's very disheartening. I mean, it, it just makes no sense, and and it's it's compromising the integrity of the races, in my opinion. I think it's just you know you're not getting a fair shot, especially when you got horses that want to want to run, and it's like you know their cue. That's how they're trained. I I, I imagine. I, I mean, obviously, I'm not a trainer, but that's the cue, and they go. And without that, it's like you know maybe you'll get a horse that'll jump in the bit, and maybe you won't. And it's it's just random. It seems very very random to me, and I I just don't appreciate it at all. And I I can't I can't bet on it. I can't. And that that's the crux of the issue is that I think one of the real complaints the jockeys have in California is, and, and this is other places as well, is they weren't part of the process. It's it's part of the reason why most trainers, despite the rhetoric to the opposite, are against the federal legislation because we weren't really invited to the table. We were invited to the table if we were going to do what they wanted to do. It's basically if, if, if you allow us to hold a gun to your head and, and you just do everything we said, then okay, then you can come in. But, you know, you, you were cut out. And, and believe me, you think this, this California whip rule is, is, is shit? Wait, wait do you see federal rules on horse racing about everything? Right, because there's nobody that knows anything. And that's the problem. Like, you didn't bring the jockeys in. You didn't consult them. You didn't bring the guild in. Why? Why? What do you have to, to be afraid of? I mean, seriously, what is there to be afraid of? Like, why wouldn't you want to include the people that do it for a living and, and at least get their input? Even if you didn't listen to them, even if you didn't do everything they said, at least you know, bring them to the table, explain what you're doing, and, and let them explain the opposite reasonings. Or maybe they even would agree with some of the things maybe they say well we should do it like this because racing for a long time has been regulated by morons politically motivated morons <laughs> that that's just how it's been this once the states way back when figured out that they can extract money from this business by regulating it they they you know mostly had a, and not not every racing commission but most of them were regulated by people who were political appointees. It was done as political favors. Sometimes they were getting paid to do this, uh, resume builders, things like that. And it's one of the reasons why racing's rules are so screwed up because you didn't have people well, you, that knew what the hell know. was going on making the rules. And the New Jersey rule, New Jersey rule will make the California rule look sensible. Barry, what if you pick six because your jockey can't hit the horse? Oh, that's, that's what I'm saying. I, I mean, I it, it's happened to me in the last month at Santa Anita. Where I know like a horse is going to win. Stop betting, and then you got no handle, and you got nothing going on. So, right, it can only go downhill. And and what it reminds me is, is I mean, you know, I guess art imitates life in a sense. Where I don't know anybody that that's had a job or has a job in corporate America can kind of identify with this situation where you have the people in charge 
who typically aren't the most in touch with what goes on beneath them and, and, and with the everyday workings of the business, making these decisions that affect the people that are doing the everyday kind of thing. So, you know, it, it's just, it's just a, an imperfect balance without getting any input. And like you said, that, that has to be key because if you have the jockey's input in a whip rule, it could make all of the difference. And you could find some, some medium ground here to where you wouldn't just have this, this uh, you know, blanket, well, we think it's bad. We're not going to, we're just going to try to limit it and, you know, take 50% of their earnings or whatever it is. It makes no sense. It's just, like you said, it's just plain stupid. I guess Jorge Chavez should be happy he doesn't ride anymore because he, he Oh, man, Chop Chop, chop was the beast. Yeah, from from the from the eighth pole, <laughs> from the quarter pole he to the eighth pole. The horse in the, in the ass either. That's for sure. No, yeah. in the shoulder, if not higher. <laughs> and you know the, the real the real problem is, like we can get into the technical variations of any rule. It's that the process sucks. The process to make rules is just. And believe me, there's things behind the scenes at, at a bunch of other tracks trying to make rules that just don't make any sense, um, that affect people financially in ways that it doesn't affect the rule makers. And the process more and more and more um, is do what we say, not, hey, what should we do? How, how should we do this best? And, and that's my issue that I've been arguing about for 20 years since I went on my own and started training horses. And, you know, as a, not a, as a trainer and owner, you have a little bit of a voice as an assistant trainer or, or not anything other than that, you really don't have any voice, but you know, the consistent theme I've tried to, to get across to people is that we need to make the best possible rules, not the strictest, not the, this, not the strongest, not the best, have the rules make sense. And when they don't make sense or there's issues, tweak them. Uh, bring everyone together under the same umbrella. And, and, and let's go out and, like, what looks dumber than the way the California Racing Board is handling the situation where you have the jockeys now and in, in, in getting close to a full-fledged revolt. You have the betters, like, swearing off their product. You have owners and trainers considering leaving. Um, it's just there, there's so many uh, things that, that, you know, actions and reactions and the reactions are just like, how, how, how much better would this look if they had brought the guild in and they said, hey, listen, we want your input. How, how do we best do this? Here's our issues. We have issues. That there, there's going to be, you know, Two, three, five hundred thousand dollar races, million dollar races here. How do we make it where a jockey doesn't just completely disregard the rules to win one of those races because uh, we handcuffed ourselves by saying we can only fine him a thousand dollars or give him three day suspensions? Um, I mean, the reaction is to take half the purse. So now you're going to find a guy, if he wins the Breeders' Cup Classic, it's a $6 million race. So, so you're talking $300,000. You're going to take $150,000 from the guy? 
<laughs> yeah, that's going to go over big because you know what they're going to do? They're going to go to court. They're going to go to court and they're going to say that it's a, you know, uh, I'm not a lawyer, but, you know, th- there's going to be a lawyer that's going to tie that up, get injunctions, and it's going to be uh, a mess because it's going to say, hey, how, how can a guy possibly be fined for a small violation like this? Not a, a critical violation, not a violation that caused him to uh, to not win a race or to do something really wrong. And you're going to find him one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That's absurd. I mean, we're not employees. And that's the thing is like, oh, well, like find this guy in the NBA, the NBA, everyone's an employee, the coaches, the referees, the people that work on the the locker room, the players, they're all employees of the owners. And, And it's a different situation. It's a private league. This is not a private league. And none of us are employees. And and sometimes the racetracks and commissions, they want to treat us like they're they're we're their employees, and we're not. Well, you know that's that's the thing is, you know, the people that stop making these decisions, why would they think they were the authority on such things? No, there's very little. They very to little the point where they could just say carte blanche. Let's let's just find them. It just makes no sense to me. Why wouldn't you get the input? That should have been the first thing they did. Now they're going to have to backtrack if they change it, which they probably will. They're going to have to work backwards instead of preemptively doing what they're supposed to do. They could have even went to, to a place like, you know, or or uh, solicited advice from people that work in Hong Kong or Japan, Australia. How, how do they handle things? Just get get some research and try to put something together, not just, hey, we're going to do this now. And then, you know, two months from now, say, oh, well. We didn't think that was good, so we're going to do this now. And it's just a whole bunch of inconsistency and, and bad judgment. People that criticize the horsemen for suing about the constitutionality of the, the HISA law, number one, they're childish. It's the way the world is. People sue. The courts decide. If it's actually no, not a problem, then it'll, the lawsuit will be dismissed. And if there is a problem... <sighs> then it'll get taken care of and, and things will get adjusted before someone uses that somewhere down the line to, to try to beat the, a, a guilty person uses it, a technicality. The second thing is this, is that if you think the way these jockey whip rules are being adjudicated is going to be any different under federal mandate, <laughs> and now we're talking all the rules, it's going to be, it's going to be a joke because they're not going to listen to the people that are, are involved, the people that have the expertise. They've spent years now basically um, questioning the ethics of trainers and veterinarians because of Lasix. It's Lasix. <laughs> and now you think they're going to they're gonna pass a federal law. Now they're going to invite us to the table? No chance. Just look at the people that are listed to make the decision on who's on this board. You have people that uh, have no idea about racing, nothing. They have no, no racing background at all. And that's, that's what they wanted. Because if a person that you nominate for a position doesn't have any experience or knowledge, well, then guess what? They're going to use your knowledge. So basically, it's like you making the decision. And it's, it's going to be the same as this is. There's not going to be a consensus built. There's not going to be um, uh, a, a process where, where every side and every view 
especially from the shareholders and the stakeholders. Um, how do you think betters are going to feel when they get slapped with a surcharge? They're going to walk Ooh. away. They're going to bitch as they should, but they're going to walk away. And it, it's ha- it's going to happen because they don't regard betters as, as important. They just don't. And if they did, then, you know, look at the, the, the group that pushes for this. When have they ever once shown regard for betters? They've, they've hoarded the data and they've gained. Nope. And, and, they, and they, they, they charge massive amounts using a, a pitiful website. That's what they think of betters. They don't. They don't care. And owners of, of horses that aren't billionaires, they don't care. They just don't care. And it's a sad thing, but like, I think people have to come to the realization that, that this business is, is run like terribly. And, and when you support something like that, just say, well, it's better than status quo. How do you know? Right. How, how can you be so sure? People say, well, what do you think about the law? And I said, I don't know anything about the law. Well, what do you mean? You look at uh, you talk about it all the time. Nobody said, does. There's no specifics. <laughs> there's, there's no specifics at all. The only thing it says is you can't have race and medication. That they, they made sure they got that in there. That's the only thing they made sure the, of, of getting in there. Can't have race medication. Well, well that's my thing is who, who are they putting on the show for? Themselves. Like, you know, <laughs> who is that aimed towards? Right. So, so it's like, well, what do you, what do you plan on getting out of it? I think that's, that would be my, my, question to everything that they do is where is this going to lead you know us? the thing is this and they're not asking there's a lot of questions. really that's the problem in this business and they don't seem to be the ones that ever get asked anything um, there's a lot of owners that are never really smart that are they're sharp guys uh, a guy like marshall graham i mean if you have any kind of inclination about trying to get the best rules regarding um betting and and, and Gam the the whole um, the whole betting and wagering side, like how come guys like that aren't aren't included in the process? How come the tracks think that they should do take it upon themselves with literally no one who who is uh, a wagering expert of, of any sorts make all the decisions? And the same with the commissions. Why aren't they bringing these people in? Same thing. Like why uh, have a lot of these medication rules been passed without? consulting with the people that deal with it on a day-to-day basis. And it's just, uh, it's frustrating because, you know, imagine if, if um, I mean, you don't even have to imagine. I mean, it's happening. It's happening. Well, I mean, it's, it could be only one of a couple of things. Either they're completely ignorant to, to the workings of, of how, uh, you know, racing works top to bottom or they don't want it to change and they want to go down a certain path for a certain reason. Um, I haven't figured it out yet, which one is which. Maybe it's a little bit of both, but either way, no, it's not good. It sucks. It sucks. That's all you can say about it is that it sucks. Um. Now I need some onion rings. Let's go get we some. We don't need after six o'clock anymore, even though we did today. Yeah. It's the key to success, yeah. Barry, to lose weight. Do not eat after That's six That's the rule, huh? Night. 
I tell you what, man, you're looking good though. I, I give you, I give you credit, man. You, pounds, you worked bro. hard. You look good now. Pounds, Not that you didn't look good before, but now you're. He lost half of a jockey. I'm with you, man. <laughs> but I think I ate. I think I ate a jockey. <laughs> dinner, though. So that's how we're. That's how we're doing yeah, we're it. Trying, we're trying to bring them back. Jockey measurements. Year. Um, we did have a derby prep this week. It was kind we of. Talk about the B level team. I think I think the B squad is in Louisiana. Yeah, I, I mean the only yeah, horse that I like out of that race was the winner. I liked him in that race. And, right, he he wasn't. I mean, I guess that was pretty impressive. But you know, I guess pairing him up to the horses that he was getting away from in California. It was a good. It was a yeah, good list for those horses to kind of compare them. It was odd that the fairgrounds three preps this year were, were largely the same horses over and over again. Like virtually no one shipped in um, at all. Uh, the the Lecompton and the, and the Risen Star were more or less the same field with them, you know. And then this race was the same 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 uh, horses with the yeah. Maiden Breaker and the. Um, the winner, of course. Uh, to be honest, I, I wasn't. I, I thought he would win. I, I really did. I just think that the California horses are cut above the the rest of the country, and I think he was kind of uh, the proof, so to speak, in, in that he was um, had established form, and he was a pretty good horse, and he. Uh, you know, shipping, of course, you never know, but um, I wasn't expecting him to go wire to wire. I, I will say that. Uh, I really was surprised uh, at the tactics used um, on the two horse, um, who actually had a rider change from his last race. Uh, that was um, right and just. He <laughs> upgrade. I mean, listen, it wouldn't have probably mattered for him, but see, he really looked overmatched. But for him to take back was was really surprising. Um, you know, Hot Rod Charlie, two weeks in a row, Joe Rosario has ridden aggressively out of the gate and and taken command of a a a, a, a Kentucky Derby prep and and uh, been rewarded by you know going wire to wire and. Honestly, he probably should. He did what he's supposed to do. I just was surprised uh, that Wright and Just didn't show speed. And like I said, I, I expected Hot Rod Charlie to win. He gifted him the lead. He, he really did. He gave and, him the lead. Uh, he just like, was, uh, was smart, and, and, and he just – I mean, it was, it was like Yonkers. It was a one-two number all the way around there. Um, mandolin didn't fire at all. <laughs> One, two. I'm not saying, but I would almost guarantee he, he would have he bled. I almost guarantee that he bled. I don't know why. I don't know why he didn't fire. He kind of stumbled a little bit, but he was a little wide, but he really never made any moves at all. He didn't, he didn't even like loom. Um, no proxy, as I said in the, uh, the going in circles, um, digest. He's just a one-paced horse, and 
No, he, he's just a horse that's going to look good. Right, he has no time. acceleration. He's never going to look terrible. He's never going to look great. He, he just runs around there, and he doesn't have a whole lot of early speed. He doesn't have a whole lot of late speed, and, and he just kind of ran the race. And uh, I guess old Bezos, uh, he has a couple decent numbers coming into the race, and he did close some ground, which, which no one else seemed to be able to do. But, um, you know, forget the rest. Uh, I really, you know, I, I just think that they were, they were a B-level triple crown prep track this year, and, and I don't really see anybody coming out of there. And Even Hot Rod Charlie, I, I don't see him coming out of there and, and uh, you know, being a big factor in the Derby. Yeah, I I don't I don't foresee that unless some way somehow Hot Rod Charlie can get to a lone lead like he did on Saturday and well kind of wire him, but I don't, I don't think foresee he's faster that. Faster than concert tour, he's, he's right. Not he's not faster than anybody in California. That's why he had to get out of there. Dina Spirit, <laughs> um, and whoever else winds up being. Uh, um, in the race, I mean, there's still a lot of, of, of points to be earned. And we could see some real strangers uh, the next couple of weeks because the, the gap between the best ones, um, you know, the top four or five, it seems, and the rest is, is a decent size gap. But un- underneath them, there's about 25 horses that all really seem like they're about that. They all look kind of similar. None of them really stick out. And I mean, like Hot Rod Charlie ran well, but I really think it was more of a a consideration of who he was running against than than anything. And and it's hard to say because uh, I, I haven't seen. Uh, I mean, I know his time form U.S. number was like a one seventeen. His buyer number was like a nine, shaded to hundred. So it's not like it was a bad number, but um, we don't really know what kind of you know, what kind of race he, he wants to run. And, and I'm guessing that he'll be looking for a jockey <laughs> come derby time. If, if, uh, if a concert tour makes it and if whoever, whoever Joel Rosario rides this week and, and wins on, um, maybe, uh, maybe he'll, you know, I don't know. It's hard to say. Uh, I'm guessing with Doug O'Neill, uh, maybe Mario Gutierrez will we'll get a shot. Super Mario. Super Mario. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the new shooters, you know, the the horses that are showing up on the scene now, may end up being a, a lot more dangerous than people realize. Um, you know, like like Safi's horse down uh, Gulfstream. He's definitely one to keep an eye on prevalence we still don't know what kind he is um you know it, it, it's going to be interesting like you said this last couple of weeks are really going to tighten screws and see what, what about some horses, horses are made of they've, they've really you know the one horse he's he's broke his maiden never, he's never run a two-turn race the derby's a month right but i can come can't count him out. Count him out of a at this point, compared to everybody else, it's not like he's he's going to be overmatched. That, it's just he'll. But, but yeah, like that's you no, said, no, he could I, win I, a race. And then I'm not an advocate of points. that. I mean, now we're talking big points. The winners and first and second place uh, finishers in these next group of races, the uh, 
the Florida Derby and, and uh, the Bluegrass, the Santa Anita Derby, the Wood, the Arkansas. I mean, those horses are in the first two finishers. I mean, you're talking 140, you know, so, so they're both in. Um, you know, the Arkansas Derby, at this point, of course, the likely winner is Contra Tour. Um, but, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, the Bluegrass, uh, elusive, elusive uh, essential quality. I always want to call them elusive quality. Essential quality it will be the big favorite. I know, right? Uh, the Santa Anita Derby is now a lot more wide open than it was before Life is Good. Uh, yeah, so... Um, a week ago, I'm guessing Medina Spear is the current favorite in that race now, right? I mean, who else would be the would be considered favorite over him since he's run uh, second to Life is Good twice and he's won, so uh, he, he's probably the favorite there. He just he's more or less in. He just needs to to hit the board, I think, to to get to, for sure. Um, the Florida Derby is is another race. You have. Uh, most of the horses in the race outside of Shug's horse haven't earned any points or have got like, you know, six points or something. So those horses have to run. There's a, uh, if Shug's horse were to win the race, the horse who finished second might wind up, you know, squeaking in the derby. And if it's a horse like the Safi Joseph in, Maiden, get in, yeah. horse can't win the derby. I, I don't, I don't think that horse can win the derby. I don't think that's, that's going to happen, but, he is a speed horse, <laughs> so he can change the dynamics of the race. And that's that's the one thing that the Derby point system has changed somewhat in that before when you had the graded earnings that, yeah, we did get a couple every year. We get a couple uh, precocious two year olds that, that racked up a lot of money um, that they were just sprinters, really, that uh, that ran in, in the race. Um you don't see those types, but now these these late blooming, late, late you know late season maiden breakers, those are like the new uh, precocious <laughs> young two year olds that that aren't that, that stacked up a bunch of money and that they are so inexperienced, and most of them are winning those races on the lead because on the lead is the best place to win races. Um, like the wood is is kind of turning into a really interesting race, the way it it, it seems like it's shaping up in that. No one who's won up in New York has scared anyone off. So uh, you're seeing uh, Roman Centurion is, is considering going there. Romberg is considering going there. Uh, Pletcher, I'm sure, will have a couple in there. Chad Brown will probably have two in there. Uh, Jimmy Jerkins' horse will, will go back in there. Um, it, it, it just seems like that that's the one race that, people are kind of drawing a, a circle around saying, all right, there's not a big prohibitive favorite. And that's, that's not, that's discounting the, the, the horse of Chad Brown's that won the withers. Who's a really nice horse, but he hasn't earned many points. Um, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, he, he hasn't points challenged at this since point. The withers, which was way back in February. And, um, you know, that, that's, um, I mean, he, he has to run one, two, I think if he runs third, he might be okay, but but that that's still uh, risky. why risk it? <laughs> right. So he, he essentially has has to run one, two, three yep. in this race, and um, it, it's it's 
it's shaping up to be kind of an interesting race. And I mean, the bluegrass, I, I even heard a whole lot of horses pointing that way right now, most likely because of the presence of, of, uh, of the two-year-old champion. Yeah, it makes sense. I think they draw the races Wednesday for the Florida Derby. The Jeff Ruby Stakes is this week. That ought to be fun. I, I can't believe no one's like taking. I can't believe that's a prep. Yo, you, you called it a stake. S T E A K. Ha ha. That's uh, are you calling the horses? Uh, and I'm like, come on. <laughs> yeah, well, if they're gonna get on me about. Uh... My man at the Pegasus. Steak, the Ruby Steak. Steaks are open season. I don't really, uh, yeah, again, the winner of that race is probably going to get into the Derby if they want to go. I think that's that's, uh, that's another you know race where you're going to get another horse that might not be on anyone's radar today. But, um, honey, man, don't, don't count out my man Spielberg. It is very unusual for Baffert to send a horse to Florida for a derby prep race. I, I can't remember the last time he ran a horse in Florida in a derby prep. I mean, literally, the only horse that I can remember him running um, for years in Florida uh, are in the uh, the Pegasus. Yeah. Pegasus, yeah. Dave wanted us to know Kansas is 30 19 at halftime. I know Jay Bidus is out there crying. Good. Right He's a big Kansas guy. Danny Manning's rolling over in his grave. Ugh, I know his dad. What do you mean he's not dead? <laughs> Larry Brown. I'll tell you one thing. The coach of Loyola Chicago. Man, that guy's good. His team was so well prepared. Yeah, he is. And I don't watch much college basketball anymore because it's really a crappy game for the most part. Brick City, 18 million fouls. It's just a kind of a start and stop and start and stop. But, man, it was a good game. With I mean, that team played a great game against Illinois. They had a great game plan, and they executed it. They didn't make hardly any mistakes. They, they didn't rush the ball. They, like they never got to no where mistakes, they were, right? You know, uh, running the shot clock down, having to take some wild shot. I mean, uh, the, and the big guy, I, I said to Dave, I said, "Man, that guy shows up at the park. He's like the last guy picked because he looks so goofy." But man, that guy is good. He's got great footwork. Goofy, he's got a nice little <laughs> touch. He's got some some moves. He had quick hands. He he made two steals in the last five minutes of the game, one time he's taking the ball from uh, the guy in Illinois who's supposed to be a lottery pick, a, a wing. Just He just reached in there and poked the, poked the ball away from the guy. Guy played great. I mean, really, really good. Got him. The three teams that I saw that were, were very, very well prepared were Oregon, uh, yeah. Loyola Chicago, and Gonzaga. Those three teams really stuck out to me as as far as you know preparation, how they played, how they executed. I I, I you know I don't want to be a they chalk are. guy, but man, the Zags we are pretty good compared to everybody else. Out to a quick start, and they were hitting shots from everywhere, and 
it was 21-19. They were up, and I said to Dave, I said, Oklahoma's in trouble because they played about as good as they possibly could play. Like, their <laughs> guys were playing way better than, than they could expect. They were hitting like 75% on threes, and like every bounce was going your way, and they were up two. <laughs> so it's, it was like an inevitable – yeah, it's like the inevitability, yeah. you know. Like That's when you know you're in trouble. You know, dun, 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 they're coming, you know. The players know it too. Uh, and Oregon, just they, they were just a better team than Iowa. They just a better, just a better team. They were, they were more athletic. Yeah, flat out, faster. just better. And they had the benefit of, of, of not having to play. I mean, they, they kind of backed into this game because the VCU got, got, uh, got DQ'd, unfortunately, yeah. for them. But they look good. And, and, you know, they might struggle against teams that can – um, yeah, teams that can pound the ball inside. Uh, Physical but teams. It helped that Iowa's guards were atrocious and couldn't couldn't hit a, a shot. And the guy for uh, Garza, um, I mean, he he played really Garza, well. Yeah, he's a he shot always does. He's, he's, he's pretty like damn a Jeff good. Ruling body. You know, what he reminded me of like a nice Bill Beer. <laughs> nice little shot. Yeah, but um. Yeah, that made yeah that yeah, makes Oregon, sense. Oregon played well; they really did, and they got a lot of athletes. And that that guy's a good coach. I mean, he's, they're good every year. They're always good. And there's not a whole lot of guys going from Oregon and saying, "Well, they're stars yeah. in the NBA." They're not, but every year they're good. So, well, they got a bunch of athletes, and then they usually play kind of small. Which usually gets them in they trouble do have a fast deeper into the, the turning. The, the ones they had today were pretty good. The fighting, yeah, they weren't like neon. Yeah, they're right. They were normal. They're yellow. They, the court they play on, like the, 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 the Baylor. Oh man, that that's so weird stuff. It always oh looks with like the trees on it. Wrong with your TV screen when you watch a game from Oregon. I thought that was that was duck pond, called, uh, in Anaheim. Yeah, the Mighty Ducks. The Anaheim, the Mighty Ducks. They're still, they're, they're still around. Hey, the Mighty Ducks. Think you're, think you're right, they're uh, yeah, I think they still they're made another movie. They make still. another movie. Oh, you need to watch it. There's, there's there's a classic movie. It's like Racing Stripes. Not quite as, that one? as good as Let It Ride, but I was, I was thinking about that movie the other day, Let It Ride. Was, it's close. Where do they show? Where can you see it? It's on Netflix. Man, it's, it's a buried treasure it, at this like, point. Three or four years ago, it was on. Uh, it was like ten thirty at night. It was on like uh, one of the cable channels. I couldn't stop watching it. I couldn't stop watching it. Well, I mean, it's got. Pretty much every element of racetrack comedy in it. Yeah, it really does. It's kind of you know sometimes you get a little bit sad watching that movie because uh, because of how great Hialeah was. Oh man, that hurts my feelings. They just need to let us let us let us play let let us run over there. Just for a month. Nope. Give them the GPW dates. It was, such a, it was such a nice track. It's the same with Arlington. I was talking to, to, to my friend, uh, 
Oh well, man, ours is so, beautiful. So One of the cleanest well, tracks I've ever been to. So you gotta really go this summer because it's just such a nice track. And I said, it, you almost don't want to go because once you get there and you see how nice it is and the nice area it's in, and it, it's just a like you said, a clean track and it's, it's just it's just in a great paddock. It's just a great track. To think that they're going to tear it down because Everything Churchill bought uh, a stock in a, some shitty casino nine miles on the road. It just is, uh, it's disheartening. It's business, we get it, but still, it's disheartening. And I said, you know, you really should go see it, but man, after you see it, you're, you really will get why people feel um, bad. I mean, and every people feel bad when any track goes because a lot of us grew up there grew up going to that track at the very least grew up watching it and and every time a track goes away the industry contracts a little bit and when there is a new track built they very rarely well they don't pretty much ever really match up with with what we used to have you know Definitely not. You know, just the, the whole Boston area. Chicago's going to be the Hawthorne. Ugh. Suffolk Downs. I heard they were, they were still, that was still kind of floating around the idea of uh, well, the track up in it, Massachusetts there, somewhere. It's like a lot of things in racing. Um, there's a pot of money that is belongs to the horsemen of Massachusetts who currently don't have a venue to run at. Uh, part of the casino deal was that they were to put money in, in a pool for purses. I don't know uh, exactly how much money, but I believe it's quite a bit. So the idea of building a track, of course, um, you know, uh, we're talking... We're not talking building Arlington over again here. We're talking a, a low rent, small, you know, what's the word? Utilitarian. <laughs> you know, something small. It's <laughs> got uh, it'd probably be a summer only track. Um, that would be that would be what they would build, which is better than nothing. But some of the ideas about having races and nothing. Uh, at Great Barrington Fair or, or wherever, seem a little bit far fetched. And I mean, there was a story floated a couple of days ago about Arlington, and Mike Campbell, who's been involved with the horsemen out there for years, um, has worked really hard to try to to try to to, to you know come yeah, up with squash a buyer for the property. Someone made a good point. It's like, well, if you have a buyer for the property and it's bought solely as a racetrack, how are they going to make enough money to make it work if Churchill wasn't able to make enough money to make it worthwhile to keep it open? And it's a good point. How how do you make enough money as a racetrack to justify? uh, And the number that's been floated out there is a lot, lot, a lot less money than had been talked about. Uh, was about $125 million. So if you take $125 million bucks 
and buy the track and develop some of the land, not all of it, but it's a big piece of property. I mean, it's not a small piece of property. It's, it's a large piece of property. Yeah. So if you were to develop a a piece of it, all right. um, And I, I know this is kind of rudimentary and real estate people will probably throw arrows at us, but, uh, I mean, if if you if you got back, I don't know, thirty million, and you got it down to the ninety millions, well, the land's still going to have some intrinsic value, right? So, uh, if you try to run it as a racetrack for ten years and it doesn't work out, you can always sell the land. It's it's probably not going to be worth less money, that's for sure. But it just seems pie in the sky in that. Yeah, you don't have to really do anything to the track the way it is now. I mean, it's. But we don't know what costs to keep that track up. We we, we right we don't know what the upkeep turn the, the lights on is, that's what the it. taxes are what the, um, you know what what all the hidden expenses are we we don't know so it's hard to really say and and you have a poly track there and it's a it's a relatively old poly track so at some point that thing is going to have to be replaced which is uh, a lot of money um, being having a poly track probably restricts the uh the amount of handle that you're going to get um because it's going to restrict the number of uh, forces you're going to get so if you're going back to a dirt track say all right so that's probably i don't know five six eight ten million dollars to do that so that's another you know big capital expenditure um and then where do you how do you attract horses how do you get the purses high enough to compete against the Churchills and against the, um, you know, the New Yorks for, for the good horses uh, without a casino. It's because the Churchill's never going to sell it as a racetrack and let them put a casino there because that's the whole point. They, they want to sell it because they don't want to put their own casino to that's because they think it's going to siphon money off of their three rivers casino, three rivers, by the way, like, the Three Rivers Casino in Schenectady, in New York, has basically trying to rip the the, mm. the, the harness horsemen of Saratoga off uh, with their buddy Mr. Cuomo by uh, being exempted from oh. having to pay what's by law they're they're required to pay because of COVID, which seems ludicrous, just absolutely ludicrous. I mean, just 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 crazy um but uh yeah so so i don't know much about the the three rivers casino but i hope they go i hope they go under all of them sorry <laughs> sorry i feel that way but i hope you <laughs> I hope they go broke but they probably won't gonna but um yeah they're no friends of racing that's for sure that is for sure unbelievable i mean on a different topic, the the harness horsemen of Yonkers are, are are battling with MGM because MGM is trying to do everything cheap, and every time it rains, the track turns into a bog, which means they have to cancel races, which is you know a real a real issue, especially for a shipping track where everyone has to leave uh, early in the day, in the afternoon, or in the morning to ship to run. So it, it's a major inconvenience um, to, to ship up and not be able to raise. But 
that's part of the deal. We we just that's part of the reality of racing these days. And that the tracks don't want to be tracks in, in a lot of ways. And you know, for every Oaklawn that puts its money uh, from the casino into the racing part and really has uh, allowed racing to thrive, and they've really invested in it. There's a bunch of tracks that that just do the opposite and. They want to extract every penny from racing and then try to make it go away, which, uh, which is, I mean, we don't have to like that. Why should we have to like it? People say, well, it's business. Well, sometimes business sucks. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, we don't have to like it. It's just the way it is. But just like the way the Knicks get treated by the referees, it's just unfair. That was on Twitter. So they still treat us like we're terrible. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> there was actually a, they played the game Poor last night. Julius they two refs. Uh, one of the refs was uh, put in the, the protocol. COVID ref? The protocol. Ugh, dude. Uh, yeah, it's getting a little crazy. But, uh, but now it looks like a, an interesting weekend with especially with the Florida Derby and it, it'll be a good card. I mean, it'll be good. It should be, it should be a good card. It's, yeah. Um, it's kind of the end of the racing, the good racing down here till, uh, what do you mean? Uh, That's the, the start of the good racing. The, good after racing the, the high 27th. Racing. Yes. Because most of the barns are, are, are in the process yeah. of leaving or, um, you know, will be full tilt. Back to Keeneland and back up north, and oh, everybody's packing uh, up. The the summer warriors will be here soon. Spring break will be over. That'll be happy. that'll make everybody happy. That's for believe me. Spring breaks <laughs> down here this year. Miami Beach is literally like like people are running wild. Until 8 p.m. and then they're going to run until wild with police chasing, trying to enforce the curfew. But you know, Hollywood Beach yesterday afternoon was jam packed, like jam packed. Not a lot of. Well, good thing the weather been good up here because it it uh, it hasn't been like that. Well, last weekend Bike Week was was nuts. But the traffic uh, has been horrific here lately. This week, not so much. The last couple of weeks, because when, when as soon as the people from the north, you know, started getting spring break and stuff, I mean, it, it's been terrible. There's been tons of people here. You see lots of out-of-state license plates. So, so if you're a COVID warrior, you better worry. But uh, I don't know. Things seem like they're leveled off in that manner, mm-hmm. but. But that's the way it goes. March Madness is in effect. The Derby preps are almost over. Spring again, my I friend. I sometimes cannot believe <laughs> some of the some of the, the things that, the, that we do in the sport. Like it just makes you, it just makes your head spin. It just makes your head spin. Believe me, it's uh, it's crazy. 
So, how was Breezy? She's doing well. I, I I booked us a trip to go to Universal in May for her birthday. Um, so we'll, we're we're gonna test the waters and see what that's like. I mean, booking the trip, you yeah. know, obviously it's a staycation. It's only like an hour from my house, not even. Um, <clears throat> they've given me warnings on temperature checks and face masks and the whole nine limited in attendance and you know unlimited express pass to get on the rides without waiting the lines and all kinds of nonsense yeah. but we'll see you know it's just it came at a bad time for her covid because a lot of things that we were planning on doing like going up to saratoga um going up to massachusetts for a little while it all got you know halted with the quickness so you know hopefully you know in may things kind of settle down people get the vaccine and things ease up a lot so that's that's the plan hopefully we catch uh some good weather my like friend we did when we went to disney so was going up to ocala he's got three kids i think they're like 8 10 12 well, on purpose to go on a trip. On purpose, came up with the bright idea to bring the kids to you know you're in the area. Go to spend a day at Disney. Go to Disney get you know, get the hotel overnight. Horse country. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Until he it's called not up too and far. Found out the cheapest hotel he could get at Disney was uh, six six hundred and sixty dollars for the night. <laughs> yeah, and then you add up, you know the. That hurts. Get in this and that and the other things. It'd have been a nice. It'd have been a fifteen hundred dollar day. So. Oh, dude. Getting in the park is tenfold costing me more than any hotel room. I mean, literally, for a family of four, going to the parks, it's it's. About a thousand dollars, probably a little less than that, just to get in. Just that's just you know to get. We in might the have park. to to break out the, the sneak into the Pegasus tactics to get in there, <laughs> dude. <laughs> yeah, well, we got to come up with a better plan. <laughs> I mean, you know, just a little bit. I do look like David and Gordo, but. David and Gordo, the the, the pugilist. <laughs> I was I was uh, I was telling my wife what, what happened that day, and then lo and behold, his commercial <laughs> comes on for Three Chimneys. Yeah, yeah. The Gunrunner commercial, and I was like, "Oh, that's the guy." A little bit of resemblance. <laughs> Look the same. You look quick. <laughs> yeah. Same hair. You same everything. Almost. Same height. No, yeah, it's 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 not that uh, not that big of a deal. Yeah, well, it's gonna be on lockdown <sighs> yes. again, I presume, on Saturday. I don't know. I, I I've had a million people call me and ask me, and I tell them all the same thing. I don't know anything. 
I don't know why they're doing it. I'm not sure what you got to do. Well, all right. I do know so, is like, that I, all I, the I tickets are sold any, out. You know, <laughs> buy a horse and enter him in the Florida Derby. Get in for sure. Maybe. Get a hot walking job. Dude, call Shugs. That's an idea. Needs any extra hot walkers? Give him a bucket and let him walk in. But see, if it's cordoned off like it was at the Pegasus, then nowhere. No. It's, oh it's man, like, they wouldn't uh, even let us on the. I wonder the if the, I wonder if the guy. I wonder if your guy is gonna be there. You gotta have the video camera ready for him for part two. Which one? <laughs> oh, you know he's gonna be there. <laughs> you know I'm going to check too. You know he's gonna be there for sure. Got to see if he's there. Hell yeah. Jason's I bet there. Jason Blue is going to be right there with him. Yeah, that's, that's Jason's Jason boy. He knows him. Jason's the man. My guy. He doesn't wear shoes anymore. Yeah. I wouldn't either. Nah, he only did that because he was guy. he was working for a GP, man. Yeah, he is officially. He, yeah, he's a Floridian now. Dave forced me to go walking yesterday morning with him. I went out, it was like 60 degrees. I had sweats. I had sweats on, a hoodie. He's like, what's the matter with you? I was like, it's freezing. (laughs) It's freezing. (sighs) My knee still does hurt, though. Uh, Yeah, that's that's how I get. When When the temperature goes below 70, my body aches. Yeah, that's... uh... 60's now cold. Just the way it is. That's it the is. truth. We got alligator blood. That's what happens. That's the truth. But uh Yeah, so we'll be there. We'll be at the Florida Derby on uh, Saturday. If Dave can find the tickets he's supposed to have. <laughs> Oops. But uh Yeah, I got I got a lot of people who've called me or texting me. It's like wait well, <laughs> the old the tickets and it's like Guess as good as mine. You know, why are they doing this? Good as mine. I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't make much sense to me, considering the rest of Florida is like, uh, uh, you know, on lockdown because there's so many people running around like mad people, uh, and, you know, allowing a normal sized crowd at the Florida Derby probably would have been fine, but. Dude, I saw I saw one of the interviews they did on the news, and I was like, it was nuts. Like all the people, it was crazy. I guess we're not used to it because it's I been a year since anybody conjugated really anywhere like, in public. There's been fights, and there's been all kinds of like, you know, yeah, like crazy stuff. Everybody I mean, start crazy, man. They the out of the house, place, man. They, uh, I said it's like this. It's like the first step uh, to that's the Escape from New York movie, you know, or the, yeah. They're gonna build a big wall around. It's like the it. zombie it's movies, like, man. Allowed to go and go in or out. That's a good idea, actually. <laughs> Don't park many ideas. <laughs> I know. No, they'll run with it. And people listen they they to this they show. Do. They do. They do. Because you know what's gonna happen? Santa Anita's gonna be like, hey. We're going to retract that, no, that weird, that's not, fine that's not thing. That, that, that's the and we're going to do something else. They don't listen. They don't listen. I call them morons. Watch, they're going to listen. They know they're morons. That's okay. They know that. They know that already. Just wait, everybody. That's Just not wait. their issue. 
We have a federal California racing board now. It's going to be even bigger with even more. Dude. California's a mess, like in general, not just the racing, just the whole deal. LeBron hurt. (laughs) Yeah. And it's worse than far. That's that's coming from a Floridian. Anthony Davis. It's just going all downhill, man. Kuzma's your number one option? No way. I don't know what they're doing. No way you're winning the championship. UCLA won again, though. UCLA. Mick Cronin, fat ball guy racing. (laughs) Mick Cronin. Dan got his face on Sweet 16 all night, they said it. Yeah. yeah. His dad got bigger, his guy not, on not there. Bigger celebrity than he was before. Though not literally. He's not fat like he used to be. You know, <laughs> he's just big, bold, and big and bald. But, but no, they, they, uh, they're, they're, make, they're making a mini run. And USC plays tonight, right? The, 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 or that's, is that who's playing Kansas? Yep. Yeah, so the, the Pac-12, man. So. And, of course, of course, Arizona's not doing because, work, you know, because we need to fire our coach. We need, we need to find Jerome Lane Miller. I'll take the guy from Loyola. What a good, yeah. what what a what a great coach team. I mean, really, just like yeah, I think everybody. I mean, he's got, and, and and that's not to like denigrate the players, but I mean, they're all probably undersized guys. They're all, you know, none of them are probably three-star recruits, and they just they, they take advantage of the situation. It just played – Just I, I was so impressed by that team. I, I really was. I was I was surprised myself how impressed I was by, by how well that team played. I'll tell you what. That if if I had a son that could play at that level, um, yeah, well, I'd yeah, send him to Mark Few. I, Rick Pitino I, I said the other day, Play for him. She's staying at Iona. You know, Bob LaPenta got him that job, supposedly. LaPenta is a is a Iona. Seriously? Iona yeah. Yep. Oh well, that Iona makes guy. sense. So the colors. He apparently put the good word in, and and the coach had gotten the, the coach. I mean, coach how much of a good sick. word well, do you, know, you really have to put like in? Knocking him. Remember, he was over in Greece a year ago, and uh, he came in the other day, did an interview, and he said point blank, I. Uh, I'm not chasing the big money, you know. The big, I got plenty of money. I'm not, you know, I don't need it. Uh, I'm gonna try to make Iona the Gonzaga of the East. And uh, yeah, right. You know, he might. He might do it. Yeah, I mean, it's not impossible. I mean, he's, he's got, got guys a, wanting to go a there now. Good enough name the, the, still. The transfer portal, is and nuts. he There's can like recruit right. Yeah, guys he... in it because everybody got an extra year. So it, it's jammed things up because now you got you know kids coming in, and there's there's a bunch of guys that aren't leaving, you know, not, they got an extra year of eligibility. So it's 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 kind of crazy right now because uh, there's probably more kids available than there are spots. Right, it's like recruiting guys that that already you know already played. <laughs> yeah, a lot Which of is better experience for the coaches anyway. But um, yeah, the the definitely there's a a big uh, there's a the gap 
between the best teams and, and everyone else is not nearly as big as it used to be. I mean, think about it. You have, you have a tournament. There's no Duke. There's no Kentucky. Uh, there's, there's Arizona didn't get, get invited. North Carolina got beat in the first round. Um, Kansas is getting blown out. Um, Shock. A lot, of, a lot of traditional teams um, just aren't, aren't, aren't there. And, well, Nobody likes Roy Williams. That's no. why. Well, he's like 90 years old. At some point, Roy's got to give it up. Coach K, you know, he might be, he might be in his last legs too. That's yeah, my, he's got to be sleeping at this point. Brad Stevens ready to go to landing bed. spot. This Duke. Yeah, that would make sense. That would make a lot more sense than what yeah, the hell I he's think, doing uh, up in Boston. I think Ainge. I I think yes, he's, he Ainge, just Ainge would be the scapegoat because lack of of moves the last three years. Well, he has not a lack of moves, lack of moves that worked. <laughs> so who are you going to blame? You can't fire the player. Yeah, I mean he's had a couple, but he, he's the king of the rumor mill, though. Yeah. He, he'll he'll float a rumor out there in a heartbeat that is meaningless. Yeah, I, saw, I saw that the 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 Hawks were interested in Lonzo Ball, and I kept thinking to myself. Like, how many more guys do they want on that team? Like, they have too many guys that kind of play the same game as it is. Like, like take what they have. Right, right. they need to build on on what they have. Why why would they bring him in? But, um, yeah, I think think that's my, 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 if there was a future book for it, I would bet Brad Stevens to Duke. Because, listen, if if you're going to, if you're, you leave the program, right? And you're going to go back to college. Like, where would you be better set up than there? Right? I mean, it's like, roll out the red carpet. Especially yeah. now that the yeah, last I mean, few years it, haven't it, been exactly like, you know, you're not following up uh, winning like four championships in six years or anything. Now, if you get them back to the top, then you're you're considered you know a hero because you've got the program back where it's quote unquote supposed to be, and it's it's right, not it's just like North Carolina when Roy Williams came in. in Kentucky, and I mean those people are maniacal. You know, they have one pad here. <laughs> like you want to shoot Calipari? I'm I'm no Calipari fan. I think he's a. I, I think is is in-game coaching leaves a tremendous amount of to be desired. Obviously great, probably the greatest recruiter ever, but but, um, you know, yeah, they just, him and Tom is both to, you know, get the job done, but I mean, they certainly, they're always good and they're always in the top 10 and they're always getting deep in the you know tournament. They usually lose, but everybody wants to get rid of him after one year. <laughs> it's like, wow. If he has like, like what, Fred, I mean, what, who has, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, at least a year's worth for sure. But yeah, then, one you know, pass, get, right? Like, at least Billy one, Donovan, right? Goes to the pros, wants to coach in the pros, yeah. doesn't want to go back to college. Uh, I remember talking to Lawrence Frank about I kind of don't blame him. Lawrence Frank was actually my cousin for a while. Um, 
and I said, I said something about you ever consider going back to Indiana? And he curses a lot, like way more than me, like a lot. That's why that's why he couldn't really make it broadcasting because he couldn't help himself. But um, he was like, "Are you kidding me? College is the worst." No way. You got yeah because it's it's, it doesn't stop. I mean, team is like twenty percent of what you actually do. You have to talk to, you have to to appease the alumni. You have to appease the the administrators. You have to recruit. He goes, you have to, because I've had enough of driving across, you know, dark, the middle of Iowa in the middle of the night, trying to go to some junior high gym. Cross teams. No, that's not going to happen. So. Yeah, that sucks. And uh, but you know, think, think about a uh, franchise like you know, a franchise, but a, a school like Indiana that was so great for so long, a blue blood kind of off team that just they were they're no, not top even notch. Like they were fan. right below Duke, not even close, like yeah. irrelevant almost. Although my man went there yeah. for a year, Noah. You um, never know it, but yeah. Noah, Noah's, uh, Noah's out there on Instagram <laughs> putting up workout videos. He's trying to get, well, yeah, trying to get claimed off a waiver. And then they, like, they, yeah, like, oh shit. We Cut him immediately. We didn't really mean it. I hope, I, I hope he got paid. I hope he got a, at least it's a like, check out of just it. Just kidding. Yeah, it was kind of, yeah, he it was did, kind he of did. rude. And I got broke Make down no really mistake Griffin. about it. He got two points last night. Yeah. Yo, he had a dunk. I heard his first dunk since 2019. 17 minutes. I think that's the last time I dunked it. The only thing I dunked in 2019 was a donut. But. No, I had to show. I had to show Sabria that I could do it. Blake Griffin scored two points in an NBA game last night. Two points more than me and you. That's it. Just two points. 17 minutes. Shit. I think I I put up more shots from my couch. People that were worried that they were creating a super team. Forgot. Nah, they forget. I mean, Blake Griffin hasn't been good in like six years. But then he got hurt. Guys get hurt. Once you get hurt, you're done. Yeah, he hasn't come back at all. No, the name resonates. But the name, the name still that's that's what it was. You know, like if it was twenty fifteen and you had those guys, all those names. DeAndre Jordan isn't exactly like, yeah, this is great. He's a twenty minute game player at this point. He's washed. The games are forty eight minutes. He's washed. No, he's like a 15-minute guy. The story keep of the him NBA out there. is going to be injuries. It really is. It's going to be it's going to be injuries because you have usually is. the Lakers who went from prohibitive favorites in the West to, you know, what are we going to do if uh, kaput? What, what what are we going to do if Kuz was your best guy? Of, you're not winning. It. Uh, it's getting re reexamined next week, and they don't get good news, and LeBron's high ankle sprain, which is like the worst thing to happen, um, you know, lingers. And all of a sudden, you know, when he comes back, he looks 
It looks like he's 36, not 26. That, that changes the, the entire complexity right. of, the, of the Western Division. And it used to, you have. Yeah, uh, that means Portland know, can actually win. And everybody keeps counting on Durant to like to come back, but it's, it's, it's longer and longer nah, and longer. Soft. I know they're being cautious, but now Kyrie's going to miss the next three games. And, and Harden suddenly has become like the, the one gun, and he's playing great. Uh, honestly, if, if they didn't, if they had made the trade, where would they be right now? They would really be looking at, uh, at some, some issues. But, you know, the, the idea that those three are just going to come back and mesh and be great, and, well, you know, they, they can't even get them on the court. And you know, there's still some time to go yet, but, you know, it gets later and later and later, and, and – uh, I mean, that's the one thing the Knicks have been able to do and that they've stayed pretty healthy. I mean, when Alfred Payton is out, that's actually a positive. Like, you want him to be out. It is an upgrade. <laughs> they, they upgrade. Playing him, but he plays a good game like every five games. It's like he... You know, it's like you... Yep, he did the same thing when he was in Orlando. He, he'd show up one game and then you wouldn't see him for a month and he'd show up again. And you say, and why like, can't hey, he do that Why can't he only be good like go every four or five games? And roses, Rose has been out with, with kind of an cut his odd the problem. They were saying it was a health and thing, and kind of like it was a COVID thing. But but then he was he was with the team on the bench, so nobody could really figure out exactly what the hell was going on. But I guess he's going to be back now. So Robinson's back. The Knicks are going to make the playoffs. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we'll see. Anyways, well, of course, as usual, it's great to have you, and um, appreciate your your commentary and your willingness to give your opinion on any. Always, my friend. You tell 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 Dave to to cool it and you know stop uh, taking all those phone calls from the ladies down there. Another, we got another week with Dave. We'll survive. He's doing good. But uh, we yep. got uh, we got a My lot man. to look forward to this weekend. Big big card at Gulfstream. See what happens. Um, it's gonna probably tell us something about something. But um, again, appreciate your time and your effort and your honesty and your willingness to be the great. Sniper, Barry Spears. <laughs> All right. Well, I, next week, thanks, man. tomorrow we have Going Circles Live. Hey, everyone. I want to talk to you about BRL Equine. BRL Equine is a company that would be considered by most the premier equine supplement company in horse racing. They spend a lot of money, millions, on, on research and development before they put these products out. This is not a fly-by-night organization just tossing some couple things together and, and throwing it out there. The, they use FDA-supervised facilities. What they say is in the products is actually in the products. Nothing illegal, nothing illicit. It's perfectly legal, and it's beneficial for your horse's health. They have a new product called Flexify that's been only uh, out on the market for, I think, about six weeks. 
and the early returns are great. I know a lot of trainers that have given me feedback, and these are guys that are going to tell me the truth. Um, there's a million supplements out there, a lot of things that people have tried that haven't really been effective, and so far, everyone seems to really believe that Flexify HA is, is, a, is a really excellent uh, supplement to help the horse's joints. Contact my friend Joe Vellante at 215-501-6880 or get a hold of me at goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com and I will get Joe in touch with you. And uh, if you're lucky, you might even get him for a lunch. But BRL Equine is a really good company, and they have some really, really good supplements. And if you're an owner, ask your trainer. If you're a trainer, give Joe a call. Thanks.